Welcome to Mandemic Mondays, the only podcast hosted by friends who have nothing in common except their name. I'm Mandy Kaplan. And I'm Mandy Fabian. We're the Mandys. And each week we will be reviewing slash debating the latest Netflix release and whatever else people are doing to stay sane during these crazy times. Times we like to call the The Mandemic. Kids, you yeah. let them appear on your podcast one time. Ugh. They're like millennials. They're so entitled. That was Casey's whole yes day. He's done now forever. <laughs> well, at least the poor kid finally thought of one thing he wanted to be his mother. <laughs> like the rest of us. Yeah. Just... Well, the kids are gone, so we can fucking swear about <laughs> this week's fucking movie. Hold Holy crap, this week's movie was a humdinger. It was Operation Varsity Blues on Netflix. Uh, it's the college admission scandal. Uh, now, this was like a, so what this, if you, for those of you that don't know, even though I've been waiting for this to come out for weeks, um, it's a reenactment. It's a documentary slash reenactment about the 33 sets of parents who were charged in the college admission scandals um, uh, led by that guy, Rick Singer. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, it was it, it was very... I learned some new things that I didn't know, even though I was pretty oh. obsessed with this when it came out. Me I, too. Yeah. Like, and I'm not Because it's usually... a nonviolent crime, so I could really get into it and not feel disgustipating about myself. Yeah, it was. And I'm not, you know me, I don't usually do a deep dive on that stuff. And I couldn't get enough. Like I read every interview of every, like there was a, I remember there was a woman who was a college admissions counselor at, um, well, she couldn't say the name of the school, but it was basically like on Coldwater Canyon. Um, and it was a private school, a high school. Um, and, and I know that school cause I would drive by it. And, uh, so anyway, she she the horror story she had, it was just so interesting. Such a rich culture. So we can talk about the culture, but maybe we should do first with the movie. Let's start with this movie. Yeah. Stars Matthew Modine and a bunch of other folks who yes. are playing real folks. So he's playing Rick Singer, mm-hmm. the the mastermind behind all this, who has all these uh plans for, for helping parents get their kids into schools by Side door. Side door. Brilliant. <laughs> so the one of the things about this film is it's a lot of recreation. They yeah. used actual recorded phone calls and actual dialogue. So you did hear a lot of, um, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, like, uh, you know, well, uh, sort of kind of you heard how people really talk. It was not polished dialogue. Yeah. It was really painstakingly recreated dialogue from their phone calls, which I found interesting. And maddening, as I hate when people say, uh, um, uh, you know, sort of, kind of, uh, 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 like it drives me bananas. Oh my but I god! Know that that how was do real. you ever podcast with me? How do, how it's, have you ever had a moment's podcast with me? It's tough. <laughs> I I tweeze hairs off my body every time, so it's good. <laughs> so I've helped you. I'm like I'm like a newborn. Yeah. So uh, that was. That was, I thought, an interesting way to tell this story because they have all these FBI tapes of these parents saying one one guy says, no, it's not the moral thing I have a problem with. It's the legal thing. Are we going to get caught? I don't care that I lied to my daughter, made her take a test 
to claim she was special needs so she could have more time on the SATs and then switched out her scores. I don't mind that. Yeah. I just don't want to get caught. We were kind of dying over how obvious that was that everybody's like, wait, (laughs) are you sure this is okay? When they're it's so obvious it's not okay. Like there's right. a, multiple red flags that make you go, it, like if you have to ask that question and that guy has to answer circularly the way he did. I mean, it was just so like, it was like they were begging to be told that this is fine. And their litmus test was, so everybody else does this? So right. this is a thing? And yep. that was the thing that made it okay. And isn't that terrifying? But, Keeping up with the Joneses. I want to go back to how the movie was done because I found it like super, super confusing. They had real people, sort of like footage of the real people, and then they had actors playing those people so Mm -hmm. so you could sort of identify who was who. But I guess because the, the FBI phone calls were Matthew Modine's voice and the actor's voice. Which I guess makes sense. But then when they're like, these are real phone calls, it was confusing because I I was like, did Matt, was Matthew Modine in on this shit? (laughs) I mean, that is a flawless performance. If not, he was married to the mob at one point. That's true. That's what I heard. Yeah. That's (laughs) my favorite, Matthew Modine. Um, I found it to be effective. I was wondering what you were thinking of the recrease. That's an industry. Wow. Is that an inside? You're, that's very. Fancy. Okay. Thank the you. recrease. Mm-hmm. The recrease. The recreations. Uh it the movie was I would say 70% recreations. Hun- and then yes. you know, and then 30% interviews. And so it I didn't realize that. When it started with a cast, I was like, it's a documentary. How is it going to be a cast? But um, it was an interesting way to tell the story. Yeah. And I uh I think we have a new segment on our show called At What Time Code? Did Kaplan cry? And last week it was 12.02 for yesterday. And this week it was at 41 seconds, Fabian. I cried at 41 seconds. Did you stub your toe? (laughs) What? Jeremy asked me for a divorce right as the movie started. (laughs) Oh, he does that every third movie, though. You got it. You must be used to it by now. Watching kids find out they got into the school of their dreams was the opening sequence of this movie. Yeah, that was magical. And each kid that went, oh, I got in, I got in, I got in. I was just, uh, we know I'm emotional. I was very emotional and happy for them. And then they did a very effective polar opposite montage of kids finding out they didn't get in at the end, towards the end of the film. Yeah. and I, it was about 40 seconds and I, or 40 minutes, excuse me. And that watching kids faces. Yeah. And, and the instant tears that they, they didn't get into their dream school. It was yeah. very effective storytelling. I felt. I, I would agree with you. I went into it with a hardened heart because, because like my deep dive on this topic was so like, this is all bullshit. It's mm-hmm. all bullshit. Like the yeah. the things that kids do to themselves to try to get into the school, the things that these parents will do to get them into a certain school when and that was the thing that I, I gathered from all the research was like, yeah, your kid can there are amazing schools that just aren't fancy. 
And I like that about this movie. It really stepped out how this phenomenon came to be as well. Not just telling you what the parents did and said, but kind of how the the guides of rating the top 50 colleges have played into this nightmare scenario where right. kids self-esteem and like they want to get into their top school. And I get it. But it, it's also like it's a shame that, you know, UC Santa Barbara doesn't catch a break. I mean, it's beautiful and you can learn to surf. It's these people, it's this upper echelon of society that care so deeply and that make it a thing. They must drive the latest Tesla with the scissor doors. And yeah, a, a Volkswagen Jetta is a really reliable, good car, but they would never dream of driving one because it must be what it must impress the Joneses. But I think that especially now with social media and, and all of, I mean, with everything and I, even not now, like when I was in high school, my parents were not like that at all. They didn't have money to do anything like that. But still, there was a certain kind of like, oh, what school are you going to go to? And right. I wasn't even at a fancy prep school. It was just a public high school in right. in Austin. But no, it I was think- competitive. And you knew the other kids that had applied to your school. Yeah. And, oh, I heard they heard. And how come I didn't hear? And does that mean, you know, it was painful back then, but it yeah. is 10,000 times worse now. Oh, yeah. Kids are applying to 17 schools. My nieces and nephews were like, I applied to 15. I applied to 18. I applied to four. Oh, I probably did eight. Oh, I'm thinking you're twice as good as me. I, <laughs> Smart. And obviously I was applying for math because you see how quickly I did that. <laughs> yeah, that was I reverse engineered incredible. that shit. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Wow. If I was going to. Well, I was going to try to make it into a fraction, but I have to call Abby because she's studying fractions <laughs> right. right now. Yes, please. <laughs> Common core. I'm not bringing that bitch back into the booth. No way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're lucky they let us back in. You go do math. I'm going to do this for a living. My wife has told me a little bit about what you guys do. Uh, Could could you just give me a little bit of background? Okay. So who we are? We are a $290 million company that I own with a thousand employees across the U.S., 280 internationally. We help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. We have every NBA owner, every NFL owner. We've got everybody. Now, these families, they want guarantees. They don't want to be messing around with this thing. They want this thing done. And so they want in at certain schools. So I've done 761, what I would call side doors. The front door means getting in on your own. The back door is making a donation, which is 10 times as much money. I've created this kind of side door in because with the back door, there's no guarantee. They're just going to give you a second look. My families want a guarantee. The way he pitched it was so clean and smart and diabolical and um, evil. It reminded me, I don't want to get too political, but right now it feels like how people are jumping the line to get vaccines. Like you'll tell anybody, you'll tell yourself anything because we all want that vaccine, Mm -hmm. right? So we'll tell ourselves, well, it's not really jumping the line because my friend did it. It, You know, it it will like, Mm -hmm. so I imagined those parents saying, well, my kid never really got into sports, but I suppose if she did do crew, she would get into USA. And they just like people convince themselves. I don't think that that's it. I don't know that they convince themselves that way. I think they just feel like if I have the money to do this, why wouldn't I do it? And they don't care how it happens. 
Right. I, you know, I think honestly, yeah. if they could have found a spot on the mass club, they would have right. done that. It's just that this was the avenue that they... But what I, I'll say what the movie did really effectively. At first, I didn't like it because Netflix does those... You know, they did that, uh, the Social Dilemma documentary, which I loved. But mm-hmm. it had that whole weird acted out segment with the guy from Mad Men. And I was like, what's the guy from Mad Men it. doing? On... Oh, you didn't see it? Mm-mm. Oh, God. Well, it was, it was effective, but that part was terrible. It was him acting out like the concepts of what they were doing. I was like, oh, oh no. So at first I was a little bit like, oh, is this going to be another Mad Men fiasco? But I love how they showed, you know, taking pictures of kids and how they might Photoshop it. Like they really stepped it out visually, which mm-hmm. made it just more diabolical and like, it really makes you connect to what they actually did as opposed to this fantasy of like, oh, they marked it on an application, which, by the way, the guy starts off marking applications of kids with the wrong race. So oh. they have a better chance of getting in. Did you see that part? No, I I didn't. Yes. I was probably dealing with some divorce issues that I'm going yeah, through. Yeah, I know. Fuck Jeremy, man. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. No, he, he the whole thing started. He would just sort of be like a bloop. You're black, you're Asian American, you're like, he just kind of started doing that and helping kids get in, you know, by any means necessary. Right. And it worked. And I thought, and I was like, how does that work? They don't check it. You get to the, you get to the campus and you're like, yep, I'm African American. I mean, what do you do? Right. But they don't ever check it. It's just part of the admissions. It just goes into the data. One of the, the biggest questions is, do, do the kids know? And remember, they showed that uh one girl who tried her hardest on the ACTs and got her score and was so proud of herself not knowing her score was manipulated and yeah and that was horrible done by someone else so there are some of these kids who don't know right. that they got into school they think well i tried really hard and i studied and i got in yeah and that's so heartbreaking yeah then, then there's the ones who are like oh i posed in a swimming pool in my backyard as if I were on the polo team. They know they're not on the polo team. They yeah. know what they were doing. But if you have parents like that, don't you think you would do anything to please them? I mean, yeah, it's all awful. Yeah. And I can't, you know, I want to say these kids aren't to blame. But then there's Olivia Jade. <laughs> and she is so blameable and so despicable. And the way they oh. introduced her into this movie, God love director Chris Smith for this choice. Young woman is devastated that she didn't get in. She's saying, I'm sure that, I, I you know, I tried my hardest and I know that everybody who got in is super deserving. Boom. They cut to Olivia Jade putting on mascara. I like to curl my fake lash with my real lashes. Olivia Jade is an extremely successful YouTube influencer, and she had millions of followers watch these videos where she would, you know, get up, brush her teeth, do her morning makeup routine, pick out outfits. So it's this very diary-like thing, but with the added benefit of uh, branding opportunities. I created my own collection with Princess Polly. I get to reveal and announce my highlight palette with Sephora collection. She's the child of the actress Lori Loughlin and the fashion designer Massimo Giannulli. They supposedly had both of their daughters, Olivia Jade and Bella, pose on a rowing machine and sent these pictures to Rick Singer and had them accepted into USC. 
as coxswains. Being like, I hate school. I don't want to go to school. <laughs> and we all know she got into USC and it was so... Uh, and she posed on a on a crew machine. For, right? I mean, so she knew oh. that she was lying to get into college. Oh, you know what? I didn't catch that. I actually thought that she was being forced to go to college by her parents and she just didn't give a crap. She, I, I thought she didn't want to go to college because she didn't need to because she already had a business. But when she got into USC, she does like an, another Instagram post about like, I'm going to party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, do you think that her parents would have let her not go to school? I I have no insight into that. I just oh, know. Well, let me that... call them. Let me text them real yeah. quick. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I, yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, because she... I, I love that cut. I loved the cut of somebody comforting themselves with like, but whoever got my spot was right. really deserving. <laughs> and then it's Olivia Jade. You know, it's interesting. I thought she was super gross. And then I, I felt a little sorry for her after this movie. I thought she was super gross before. And when they show, started to show her, I was like, ooh, it's that girl. Mm-hmm. And then I actually felt sympathetic for her because even though I wouldn't want to like hang out with her over uh, kombucha, like mm-hmm. I I felt I I felt like she was at least being honest. I hate school. I don't want to go to school. I'm And she's doing this line. It's all about her look and her line and her makeup. And she's a businesswoman. And why do I need college? And it really feels like she was just doing whatever her parents told her because she didn't give a shit about school. Right. And in a way, I kind of go, well, that's not her fault. That's on her parents. Like, oh, of course. I mean, the parents are culpable and guilty. Yeah, they did time. She's just she's just got awful. I'm not saying that's her fault, but she, but right. She is very unlikable. For sure, but beautiful. And I think that's what matters, you know? <laughs> well, I love that the <laughs> revenge that this 17-year-old girl got was like, oh. and you know what I say? <gasps> Unfollow. And that was like, that was like, that's how teens, God help us when we're older, that's how they view like their, what, their approval or disapproval. It's all about follows and likes and oh. Why didn't all the parents, why don't we know about all of their jail time? Because that was a fun little wrap up to this. But I kind of wanted to dig in. I would have loved to see footage from those trials. I would have loved to see statements by these people. I think people. the trials haven't occurred yet. Wait, the what? Ones that, I, the ones that pled guilty got sentences. The ones that oh. have have pled not guilty, they have not been tried yet. That's why they didn't have any jail time. And they can't what? try Rick Singer until everybody else has been tried. Because he ratted them all out? Yeah. Now that's an interesting phenomenon. That is an interesting bird that he is like, I'm going to draw you all into this. Although he didn't. They came willingly, mm. you know. But to to then set up that sting, you guys, mm-hmm. like there's a turn. He's he's the mastermind they all come to. And then when he gets fingered <laughs> by the FBI, that's a crime term as well. Um, <laughs> then he he starts cooperating after being fingered, which I think most of us do. And he <laughs> sets up a sting with uh, the wires on and it's and little cameras. Oh, my God. Yeah. It made me so more terrified than ever because I would be the asshole who would probably end up doing one of these things. Not because I want my kids to get into a special school, but just because I'd be like, oh, really? OK. Like, I probably wouldn't question it. What would you do? Doesn't it make you think, well, I, you know, I think Casey's very bright. 
but he's not like really? a straight A student. But I would, you know, like would I say, oh, he's a very bright straight A student, knowing he's not a straight A student. Would I say, yes, he's athletic, knowing that he likes to play some sports, but he's not like a gifted athlete. So where do you draw the line? Well, I think if people were asking parents what they thought of their kid to get him into school, every parent would exaggerate. Mm-hmm. I think they would. But that's right. why they have things like sports, like like transcripts and actual records and actual... I mean, I, I know this is how it goes, but like, don't you find that at every parent-teacher conference, you're a little bit like, huh, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wait. Yeah. He's not the best student you've ever had? Oh, his, she's getting distracted. Well, that might be on you. <laughs> I mean, how's your teaching? Well, I don't know. Yeah. I'm she, bored right now listening to you <laughs> yammer on. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder a little bit like. But I think that that's how some of these parents justified it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My kid, my kid deserves to go to school. They didn't maybe they didn't do so well on the SATs. But if I can fix that, I'm giving them every opportunity. Some of the parents thought that. No, you're you're 100 percent right. The thing that grosses me out is that like it has to be a school. Like I feel like that's so like that's snotty to me, Mm -hmm. you know. Like, no, we're going to cancel your 16th birthday party because we didn't book the right restaurant. Right. Like, that's snotty. Like, just go ahead and let the kid go to school. (laughs) Of course it's snotty. Look who we're talking about here. And the poor counselors. I feel bad for people that have to be honest with parents and say, like, hey, they're not going to go to Duke probably. Like, they don't have it. But look at these other amazing schools that actually have programs that would interest your child. And, right. you know, like the ones yeah. that they're trying to help them. And these kids are, are the, not the kids, but the parents are like, oh, I've never heard of it. Blah, blah. Which that's yep. how I am about my friendships. Like if I haven't heard of you before, no, thank you. But school, I don't care. Okay. Did I, so I got in <laughs> through a side door into this friendship? You did. You did. You were, you're my side door. While we are mentioning the side door, I you did that once in college and got a rash. <laughs> I told you not to tell anybody about that. <laughs> I love that the movie ended with a backdoor quote. <laughs> like the whole movie I wrote down, wow, the movie ended with the phrase backdoor. It like, did. And the yeah, it was like the side door might be closed, but people are still getting in through the back door. That was like how, you know, they put up the chirons of like, here's what happened after we stopped filming. Right. And I was like, yeah, this movie ended with a back door quote. You know, it's so crazy. Like the the back door, the donating copious amounts of money to these giant famous schools, I think is so interesting because like the the amount of money, like there are people that donate $10 million or a building to Harvard and still don't get their kid in, right? I know. And you go... How ugly is that kid? (laughs) Right? To not get in after that. Yeah. It's like, did you try to get him in the Harvard Agricultural School? Maybe that would have (laughs) worked. But like, I can't... Like, what really boggles my mind is also this idea that you're like, you know what? Let's just try to give $10 million to Harvard. Like that that's even an avenue or an option for anyone like that. We've got 10 million to lose. That's the part of it that I go, wait, what? Maybe it's a tax deduction or something like $10 million. Let's go for it, honey. Sure. That that blows my mind. And I think that's why. why, I I mean, I really do think if you've got that kind of money, you can buy anything. 
I really think you can pay your way out of any problem. Like we see that all the time. We see like, I mean, my God, the Woody Allen Mia Farrow thing. The guy's famous and he's rich and he just got the best lawyers and he could pay for anything. I mean, you get away with anything if you're rich. Nobody rich ever suffers for anything or suffers any consequences. Last night at dinner, we explained the OJ trial to Casey. And he's like, how come he's not in jail? We were like, because he's very wealthy and a celebrity and he had the best lawyers. Uh, I'm not kidding. We really did explain the OJ trial to Casey. You run out of conversation in a pandemic. So you're like, you know what, kid? I think that's fascinating. I think he should know about that. Because I don't don't think I watched it because I was sort of anti-pop culture then, but I I happened to read about it a little bit. But but like, was Marsha Clark really that bad? I mean, did she bone it that bad? No, she was excellent. Well, then what the heck? Why? Was he it had, just because he, he was had rich? better lawyers and star power? And yeah. I listened to a, a podcast all about it. And one of the jurors like gave OJ like a fist in the air after they got him off. Like, yeah. I, I did it for you, brother. Like, yeah, he oh, they, people loved OJ. Oof. That's yeah. rough. And speaking of celebrity, so thank you. When when this story broke, this was all about Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. Yeah, Felicity Huffman. This is not in this movie, Operation Varsity Blues, but Felicity Huffman very wisely fessed up immediately and took a slap on the wrist and served thirteen days in jail. Yep. And I really admire that she was like, "What I did was terrible, and I'm deeply sorry." And I'm sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I heard a podcast, a Rick Singer podcast about this and i've heard the actual calls wait re- he's podcasting no, no the the podcast of this oh, I, okay. I don't remember what it was called but i'm terrible felicity huffman in her emails that they're reading says rut row the school says she can't take the test there what are we gonna do and from that moment on i have felt nauseous about felicity huffman Because here she is emailing Rick Singer about like, my daughter's going to cheat to get better scores, right? Uh And she dismisses it with (laughs) rut-row, and it made me sick. As a rule, if anybody wrote rut-row in an email, it would make you sick. So to be fair, I think it's more about her choice of words than the fact that she was committing a heinous crime. Am I wrong? I don't mind (laughs) rut-row. I'm a big Scooby-Doo fan in general. But to... But yeah, it was like, I am doing this awful thing and making it cutesy. I don't like when anybody makes anything cutesy. And she she was making it cute. And that, ugh. Well, she was probably like uncomfortable. I mean, that's what's really interesting is how uncomfortable all these parents are. We talked about this, but like, I, I get it. Because there's a part of you going, <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is crazy. Are we really doing this? Like, you know. Every time we ever went dancing and did shots, right? You get that like, ah, is this really happening? We shouldn't. We probably shouldn't. <laughs> I think it's that energy, you know. Are we ready to give this some man jobs? Absolutely. I liked the movie. I wasn't blown away by it. It didn't feel as revelatory as I wanted it to. I yeah. kept expecting more, whoa, I never heard that part of this or look at the access they got to this. And I didn't get enough of that. So I'm going to go 3.5 man jobs out of five. Okay. Okay. That's a sensible score. Thank Um, you. I was very bothered by the reenactment thing uh, 
just because I, I, it just felt so clunky. Like I was like, can it, why does it have to look so staged? And I thought that I didn't like the way I was directed actually, but, um, so I, but I loved the way it made me feel. I loved that all the way through the movie, I was going like, oh, and like, I would pause it and talk to my niece and be like, oh my God, those people, like, what would you do? And how would you, and listen to how they're talking to the guy, how Rick Singer, like, I, I was so taken by this crazy shit that they did and wondering if I could have gotten sucked into that, you know? So that was very titillating for me. So I'm going to give it four manned jobs, even though I thought the way the movie was constructed was crap. But the actual topic still makes me go, what would I do? You know, a lot of things make you go, oh, I'm just pointing that out. And it's one of my favorite qualities about you, your childlike (laughs) wonder at so many things. I mean, I I wonder, like, if I hadn't gotten into Vassar, uh, Vassar College. There it is. um, Well, it's I I don't I don't like to I mean, is it a good school? I don't know. I guess it could be. I didn't look it up. It's number 14. But no, I'm kidding. I didn't look it up. It was a joke. (laughs) We could move on. (laughs) (laughs) Number one in my heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was just dumb luck. I, I definitely did not try out for water polo or play field hockey. Although once I got to Vassar, I wish I had. Because hubba hubba, those ladies, am I right? The the water polo ladies at Vassar? No, the, the field hockey <laughs> ladies. I dread the future for our kids when they when they become 16 and are thinking about all this. Oh, sex or school? Stay, school. Oh, what's the I, difference? My message to our children is stay dumb and pretty kids. Well, that should be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Mission <You> accomplished. Just... <laughs> Fabian, you obviously, my dear friend, talented writer, auteur, ah. director, wow. actress, singer. Sure. But I do have other talented, talented friends. Oh, so many of them. Namely, one Matt Boren, who I whom I met in high school and love to this day. And he has written the most delightful two hour audible content called Brack called Brackish Waters. Brackish B-R-A-K-I-S-H. It is only it's like a novella that is only available on audible.com, read oh. by Christina Applegate. What? Who is perfection in everything she does. Oh yeah. I devoured it. I'm gonna devour it again. It is hilarious. It's relatable. It's sharp and funny and I know the guy who wrote it and he very fancy he's incredible he's incredible he has other stuff available on audible and audible is so great because you can listen to it anywhere you download it and it's on your phone your tablet whatever device you want you stop and start it remembers your place not such a strong suit for me yeah especially after a couple of cocktails (laughs) as I do on my morning walks yeah sure sure and Boren, B-O-R-E-N. Yes, ma'am. And Brackish, B-R-A-K-I-S-H. Interesting yes, choice. Wow. <laughs> you, you could, these things are important. I don't want to give any spoilers about what this book is about, but when you go onto audible.com slash pandemic, 
you get a free trial, meaning yes. you can download any book of your choice and keep Anything it for free, even if you do not stay a member of Audible. Yep. Now, it's our gift to you. Brackish Waters, free to all members anyway. Not even going to use your free credit. What? Free to anyone oh. right now. This is a win-win. Because Audible has a library of, you know, novels and self-help and biographies, but they're doing all of this original content narrated by people like Christina Applegate, written by the incredible Matt Boren. Everybody go download it, listen to it, and go to www.audibletrial.com slash pandemic and thank us later. What else are you doing to stay sane? <laughs> I got to tell you, there was no saying staying sane this week. I, every week I've been like, ooh, this looks this little fun thing. And I like the pandemic has been a little bit like a, a scavenger hunt of like, look what people are doing. And this week was just a shitstorm, man. So uh, the, there was no staying sane this week. The only thing I have to offer our listeners is it's okay if you are also not staying sane. And if you're having a tantrum or feeling frustrated, may I recommend It's It ice cream sandwiches? Yes, brought to you by the makers of It's It. Are you looking at me like you've never had an It's It? I've never heard of or had it. Oh, oh mother of God. I was God. so certain you were going to say, like, tequila. Yeah, When you no. were like, if, you're, if you need help, so I have I'm dreamed shocked. of like going someplace and finding a cigarette to smoke. Like I was, I was at that level this, wow. which I, I don't smoke anymore, right. but like I, it was that kind of like, I want a cigarette. What's an it's it? <laughs> oh, well, it's way better than a cigarette. And how come you're not eating one slowly on camera for me? Uh, because I proposed and you said no. So we have to have Ouch. boundaries. Yep. Okay. Yep. Why don't you get right. Carrie to eat and it's it for you? Hmm? She would do it. Oh, God. That's, you know, <laughs> we want different things. We want different things. Um, the it's it is oatmeal cookies uh, surrounding delicious, soft, fluffy vanilla ice cream. Okay. And then dipped in chocolate. That's what I needed. Uh-huh. Because I don't do anything without chocolate. So I enjoy oatmeal cookies. Mm-hmm. I enjoy vanilla ice cream. Yeah. I was not into this until you said dipped in. Yeah. And it's, then I got hot. I, it's crazy. Like, my friend described it to me and I was like, oh, all flavors I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't like running out to the store to get one. And now that I have had one... It has uh, completed my life. I'm actually doing a podcast within a podcast within it's it sandwich. So I wanted you to know first. That's how <laughs> deeply in love. I am. Yeah. So wait, well, you said now that I've had one, you've had one, oh, or you've no, I've had several. Where I'm just do you procure an it's it ice cream sandwich? Your average grocery store has it. Really? Not a Trader Joe's, but a Ralph's oh. or Whole Foods. Yeah, they're they're the real deal. Just any place. It, okay. They're, they're really, really I, I think you just have to know about them. They're a little bit like maybe the skinny cows or the, mm-hmm. like, you know, they have those special, you hear about those special cheeses or pickles nutty or buddies. whatever. Uh, yeah, nutty buddies. Are, I'm picturing things like a nutty buddy. Those are more smart and final. Like it's, it's a little oh. more high end than that. Oh, I, okay. I was depressed, but I wasn't like nutty buddy depressed. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What are you into? Wait, well, first, I got to know, like, are the kids into them or is this a secret shame, like just you in your closet crying and eating these 
No, I can't. There are only like four in a package and I have two children. I they, These are emergency reserves. But you have two freezers. Don't you have one in the garage? So you could stock. I could, but I'm not a monster. Like, you know, there's this is a pandemic. I can't take all the it's it's. You know, it's that's like you're, you're worried about people jumping in line for a vaccine. What about buying all the itsits? Like, that's fucking, that's just you're bad so, behavior. You're a communist and I love it. A socialist. I'm a good citizen. You are. Yeah. You know who is not a communist or a socialist, but might be a horrible racist? Oh. The royal family. <laughs> because we had somebody reach out and say, what did you think of the Meghan Markle interview? Yeah. And I have done a very shallow dive. (laughs) I am not going to claim to be an expert, although it was pretty cute. My sister, who's never into this kind of thing, for some reason, latched onto and watched the whole interview and wanted to talk about it in detail. So I'm going to rip off a lot of her observations and ideas. Great. Great. Um, First of all, she has the best sister in the world. Yeah. Did she say that or are you just putting this? I think she was implying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. I, I always infer it. Sure. Uh, no. So Meghan Markle did a, this is two weeks old now. I apologize, America, that I'm just catching on, but did an, a, a very in-depth interview with Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. uh, and Prince Harry joined her. And there were several bombshells in this interview that have been since refuted in the press. And like, like it, it was one of those. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the royal family doing the old Rick Singer work on on whatever she said. But like, it, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard interesting things. I've heard Meghan Markle is a monster from people that people I've who, heard that as well who have worked with her and go, I've heard that as well. She will lie about anything, and you know, so that that's interesting. But, but Harry doesn't seem like a liar. Harry seems like an upstanding guy. Sure, but look at me. I'm married to a liar, and I'm a great person. Wow. Kidding. Here's what I find interesting. The response from the royals is we're very not we're very much not a racist family. (laughs) Okay, doesn't really say a lot, William. And then the palace released a statement. The whole fam, the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. So. Not a denial, not a, you know, I mean, like, that's not a lot. So the claims of racism were that because Meghan Markle is half black, they were unsure what color the baby would be. And my mom thinks that was Charles saying that because they (laughs) did make it clear that the queen has never said anything hurtful to them and that the queen is lovely. Okay. So my mom, by process of elimination, that it wouldn't have been William. And it, so she's like, it, I bet it was Charles saying, we don't know if that baby's going to turn out to not look white. Wow. And that that was unacceptable to the royals. For a guy who was banging a divorcee the whole time he was marrying Princess Di, that's pretty gutsy to be mm-hmm. all like, oh, no, decorum. That's interesting. Right. Okay. So... And then they were, because they weren't sure, they were not going to give security to the baby. They're going to let the baby ride in the sidecar without a helmet? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great image. Uh, so that was the bulk of the, the bulk of her revelations were about how she was treated because 
and she thinks because of racism, not even so much as like, oh, because I'm American or I'm an actress. Right. But it was it which was are racist, both which... way worse than being African American. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you can't say that. Ooh, you're going to have an HR meeting. So uh, they get along with the queen just fine. And then this was uh, this is the part that I found heartbreaking. Megan claims she was very depressed slash suicidal and they call the the palace the firm the institution of the palace who ran their lives the firm said you are not going to seek help publicly so she couldn't go somewhere and get uh psychiatry and she said she was suicidal so if you're suicidal you go stay somewhere and you get help and that they wouldn't allow it oh because of the stigma of uh of you know mental health so that is crushing to think of somebody suffering and not being able to get the help they need because it would look bad the royals strike me as a family that would have hired rick singer (laughs) well i did like that when it when it all came out the i think did i did we talk about this already that the washington the the wall street journal had a a headline that read like that they were going to handle this like privately (laughs) <laughs> they, the royal they were, family. They yes, they weren't going to make any. They were going to deal with this these accusations of racism in house, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is like not really dealing with them at all. I was I, exactly. I love that. I love the image of all of them sitting around breakfast tea, you know, sort of nodding to each other and going, oh. <laughs> "We're dealing with it." Yes. So about the thing. Yes, we'll talk after we hunt the dogs at lunch. Oh, they don't hunt dogs. No, you don't hunt the dogs. Right. You hunt with the you dogs. Know, I was never royal. I've, I <laughs> no. was never royalty, not but once. But you could be royal. I have to stop. Royal. I have to stop. Got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I guess the question really is like, do you trust Meghan Markle? And I, my uh, in, initial instinct is she really doesn't have anything to gain from lying. She could she could say, oh, they were lovely. It's just we wanted to do something different with our lives and devote our lives to charity and produce television. And she would be beloved by all. However, my own mother, my own goddamn mother said, I mean, she is an actress and you know, you can't trust actresses. What did I say? They're the worst. (laughs) We're just going to forget that I'm an actress. We're just going to. I am too. We're monsters. We're monsters. So I I found that interesting. (laughs) I found Meghan Markle to to be sincere, to seem very well-spoken and intelligent. I tried to forget that I had heard that she's very unpleasant on set. And I have a weird trust for Prince Harry. He just seems like a mensch. He does. He does. Who knows, really? I'm glad they got out. You know, mm-hmm. I'm glad now. I guess I guess time will tell. We will see if there's more more smoke there. Mm. You know what I mean? Because where I there's do. smoke, there's fire. Do you see what I'm using that metaphor and saying? If there's more trouble, then maybe it is Megan after all. But what I will say is like it kind of reminds me of like when I couldn't break up with boys. Uh, like it, there was always this like, oh, is this the right thing? Even though I was like miserable. And but I didn't want to go get help, i.e. break up, because what if this was the best thing? So I think like I think maybe she was a little bit like, but being a royal princess maybe could be great. Like I'm super famous and I'm like living in England, which is really pretty. And 
you know, like, why would you leave a royal family? That must have been a very difficult decision. Oh, I'm sure it was. So and there's a for him to that, abdicate, if that's the right word, for him to give it all up. Yeah. That, you know, for her, not such a not such a big deal. She wasn't born into it. But he's giving up everything that he ever knew. Yeah, that's true. You're right, I guess. I, I But for her, I think, uh, like, he's lived his whole life that way. Doesn't he want to mm-hmm. go see the world and see other stuff? Like, she got to be a princess for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been a hard decision for her as well, even though she was miserable. But she also couldn't pursue her dreams as a princess. She's not going to be like, I got I'm going to produce a new show on Netflix for myself. She can't do that as a princess. And that's what she wants to do. It would have been a gift to the world then. <laughs> no, no, that's you're right. I, I I don't know. Nowadays, I mean, the Obamas have a development deal. The Clintons have a production company like they're giving all of the fancy political people production deals. So actually, we have to be next in line, don't we? Well, what are you going to run for office? Like I've asked you multiple times. Oh, God. <laughs> so many skeletons in this closet. I know. Can't run that horse. So. Yeah. Next week. Oh, God damn it. God you damn it. You can't say that next week. <laughs> you can't say that about next week. Next week, we have to be squeaky clean. Oh I'm so excited. God. I can't handle it. Oh, yeah. Flames on the side of my face. Yeah. We it are- actually. Yeah. I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, my God, I need to write one of these things. Why have I not written this yet? Yes. Yeah. This is on Netflix. It releases Friday. It's called A Week Away. A Week Away. It is a Christian <laughs> church camp musical, a musical with the music of Michael W. Smith. Oh, I don't I know who mean, that is. Oh, he. They sing this duet, Place in This World, and that was like a Christian mega oh. soft rock ballad in maybe late 80s, early 90s. It's... Oh. And, but they're doing choreography like it's high school musical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they're on a lake and David Keckner's in it. Am I getting that right? Is that who it is? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. curious, like, but what I love about this movie is from the poster, from the font, without seeing one second, you know, it's a Christian film. <laughs> right. I mean, you can it just reeks of Christianity and wholesomeness. <laughs> thought it reeked of like hallmarkness i didn't think christian christian those are not so far apart true very true yeah yeah but high school musical for that matter could have been a christian film bite your tongue well you know squeaky clean boy yeah. crazy but nothing dangerous well, i love now it. I'm, now i'm gonna sign off and think about zach efron Thank you, you always do that. Don't make it sound I know. special. <laughs> I know. Just just for tonight. Just this one time. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm very excited about next week. I, I have a feeling we are not going to disagree at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, I smell a sequel that we are going to write. <laughs> yeah, I've already started, actually. Nice. Just, just show up with Act 2, con- middle of Act 2 conflicts, and we'll be good. I got it. Yeah, I know you it. do. All right. Awesome. See you next week. Love you. Love you.